Did it already go out? Okay, great. Good morning, everybody. Are you all well? Well done for braving the cold and the icy weather. I am impressed. I was watching cars literally slide down their driveways this morning. So well done, those who made it. It's really good. I haven't been here for the last couple of weeks, so um, we missed the kickoff of this new year. Um, I know it was snowing last, uh, last week, and uh, those who were able to make, make it, well done again. But um, I have the great privilege of kicking off uh, this series, which I'm going to do in just a moment. But first of all, I just want to acknowledge it's Li- it was Lily Washko's birthday, 23 years old. Lily, are you in the room? She- Lily, happy birthday for this week. Give me five, girl. You can come and sit right next to your mama. Good girl. I've got a present for you. We've got such a great present for you. Do you know that? It's so much candy. It's going to last you for a whole year. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I've already said it publicly now, so your parents can't really do much about it. And you're 23, so... Next week, we have a guest uh, with us who's going to be speaking. I would encourage you. I know hopefully it won't be quite so cold, and, but if you're watching online, you can still uh, catch it online. Her name is Pizzi, and uh, she is a counselor come therapist, uh, life coach, and she is going to be with us on, a, on this Sunday. And she's just going to minister. She ministers to uh, lots of people. If I said their names, you would know. Um, and she is a woman who is full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, and just uh, going to let her loose next week just to minister to us as a church. So please come next Sunday ready just to receive the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, is the great counselor, but he's also the great comforter. And I, I feel that this, as a church, there's things in our lives that the Holy Spirit wants to touch and just bring comfort to, and instruction and wisdom. Amen? So that's uh, next week. Um, also, uh, I can't promise this, but I just have a feeling that perhaps, I'm not going to say their names, but my parents may be with us sometime in power yeah. back. So uh, I can't guarantee that, but just uh, uh, watch this space. I think they're going to uh, be with us on a Sunday uh, morning. So I know you've been praying, and uh, I know that was a delayed response. It's like, wait, what? How? Well, I'm going to let you tell them tell their story. The last few, well, actually, the last few years, every two weeks, the live stream churches and ministries that are connected around the world, every second Thursday, get together to talk about what God is doing, the challenges that we face to find wisdom and strength and encouragement, to pray together, to stand with one another. And towards the end of last year, the question came is, what is the theme for the different life churches for 2022? And so often we come up with a catchy phrase, and it's, it's rooted in the prophetic and what God is saying to us as a group of churches. But this year, um, looking at this year, 2022, it just seemed to be like a block. Like, what? Like, like, is there a catchy phrase? Is there a word? Is there a scripture? But each one of us just came up with this sense that we just need to stop. Everyone say stop. And we've already, we've, you've probably heard me say this word, selah, or as some people say, selah, or sailor, or sailor. But it's, uh, everybody say selah, and now say selah. And you can say which either one you want, selah or selah. And it just means to pause. And with all that is happening around the world, this year, we're going to pause. And I want to just talk about this today. One of these points that I'm going to bring, I'm going to use the word SELA as an acronym. And, but I just want you to know that each one of these words could be a series. Each one of these words, each one of the scriptures we're going to look at today could be a year-long series. So I'm just going to throw them out there. I'm going to try and move fast, but just so that we have some kind of idea of what this word means and what is behind it. Why, why pause? Why Selah? The word Selah appears 74 times in the Bible. They're all in the Old Testament. Except uh, 71 are in the Psalms, three are in the book of Habakkuk. And the word literally means to pause, everyone say pause, to break during a song, to reflect, to look at. 
It's a Hebrew word actually written as S. La and S. Lal. It's actually from two words. The first, Selah, is to praise and to exalt. And the Lal, as it was originally pronounced, means to lift up and to reflect. And so why Selah? Because this year we're going to stop. This year we're going to reflect. This year we're going to pause and actually look at what God is doing. Look at where, because it's so... Things move fast. Have you noticed that? Things are moving so fast. The world is, is changing so quickly. Opinions, voices, choices. But Amos says this. Amos chapter 9 verse 13. And I'm reading from the message. Those of you, I'll say it in the NIV. Where the, the reaper will overtake the sower. Do you know what that, do you remember that scripture? That the reaper will overtake the sower. In other words, the one who is sowing seed the actual one who's reaping will come up behind him, will catch up with him. That was a prophetic word of what's going to happen. But I love it in Eugene Peterson's in the message. He says it like this. Yes, indeed, it won't be long now. God decrees that things are going to happen so fast that your head will swim. One thing fast on the heels of the other, you won't be able to keep up. Everything will be happening at once. Everywhere you look, there'll be blessing like, like wine being poured off the mountain hills. I will make everything right for my people, says the Lord. So when things happen and when things change and when things speed up, it doesn't mean that we need to worry if we, our hope is in the Lord. And we're anchored into that hope, and we're anchored into truth, and we're anchored into his word. Technology is speeding up so fast. You know, 1.8 billion single images are taken every single day. That's 650 billion in one year. This is the age of technology. The Bible says take every imagination, image, image nation. It's a nation of images that download social media is bombarding us with images and pictures and information so quickly. And it can actually, it can actually shape the, the way that we think. Every two minutes, people take more photos than existed in total 150 years ago. Ah! Just think about that. That's mind-blowing. Watch this. Since 2001, so just over 10 years ago, Teen suicide has doubled as a result of social media. Sorry, 2011. In 10 years. In 10 years. In 10 years. Since the, the major platforms like Instagram, Facebook, TikTok have really sped up. Why? Is it that those platforms are, are necessarily wrong? No, not necessarily. Social media is a tremendous tool. But I want to stop and stop and think about these and talk about these things. Where is God in all of this? What does God have to say? Rather than just keep in this rat race of speed and things are speeding up and we're speeding up and perhaps speeding up into the wrong things. The world is developing fast. Things are happening fast. So I'm going to use the acronym. Are you ready? You can get a pen if you like. I'm going to go fast today just so I get this all out. And again, I could pause on some of them, but just for the sake of this meeting, I'm going to get them out, and you have them written down. We're going to sell, spell this word, Selah. Holy Spirit, I want to thank you for what you are doing across the world. We thank you that you are on your throne. Thank you that you're not biting your nails. Thank you that you're at complete peace. Thank you that you are seated, and thank you, Lord, that your word says that we are seated with you in heavenly places. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come this morning, that you would help us. You would help me. You'd anoint me as I, as, I, as I deliver these scriptures, which is your voice in print. We thank you that your word that is indisputable, unchallengeable, it is final. It is all authority. And as we read your word today, I ask that it would arrest us, touch us, strengthen us, challenge us, and comfort us. In Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know if you've ever been on one of these things like DNA.com or Heritage.com or Ancestor, 
ancestry.com where you can type in some information and for 20 bucks you can find out all about your history you ever done that you ever been suckered into one of those? Well, I did. And so a few days later, um, I received um, in, from Amazon this. And uh, it's called the Bible. And I found that as I read this, I found out where my DNA came from. I found out about my history, but I also found out my destiny, which was a promise. And church, I want you to know today that this word that we have in our hand, this sword is sharp. It's quick. It's alive. It's living. It's active. It's final. And I want to encourage us that in this time, and I really want you to hear this more than any other time we need to read the word. I'm so excited. We've got young people in this church doing the, uh, what do you guys call it? The 30-day shred where they're reading the entire Bible in 30 days. By the end of January, they would have finished the entire Bible. What a wonderful thing to do, to fill yourself up and get sharp in the word of God. With all the information that is hitting us, with all the statistics, with all the image, with all the things that can help us help shape our thinking and our mindset, the Word of God is true. That's why Romans 12 says that we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Don't, do not conform to the patterns of this world, Paul says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Watch this. Then you'll be able to test and prove what God's will is, His perfect, pleasing, and acceptable will. Don't conform to the patterns of this world. There are patterns. Everybody say patterns of this world. Paul says don't conform to those. But no, but conform to another pattern. A pattern has an origin. Each one of us is wearing clothing that has a pattern in it, has a thread in it. But the patterns of this world have an origin and it's not God. But Paul in Timothy says this, hold to the pattern of sound doctrine. That pattern is found in God. The origin is in God. So the Word of God is something we need to really get into like never before in history. Discipleship, training in righteousness, learning what God's Word says, learning what God is like is so important. All right, are you ready? Here's the S. S, and I'm going to do like a, a negative as well, like what we shouldn't do, but S is for stop, don't speed up. Selah. Stop. Don't speed up. Stop. Everybody say stop. I'm going to read this. So I can't actually remember. I was in, somebody said this to me this week and I thought, that is so good. So if it was you, just say, yeah, that was me. And then we'll know your, about your humility. And, uh, numbers chapter 13. And the day came, and when they came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community, they said, We went into the land which you sent us to, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is the fruit. But, everyone say, but. This is what happens when we look at what God is doing, when we look at what God has said, when we look at the promises, when we can look at the fruit, it's easy to also say, but. And here's the transition. But the people who live there are powerful and their cities are fortified and very large. For so we even saw the descendants of Anak there, the Amalekites, live in the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites live in the, in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people. When I heard that, I thought, there it is. There's the stop. There's the sealer. In the midst of bad news, is there someone that will say, be silent? Is there someone that will say, stop? Yeah, but. Have you heard about this? Yeah, but do you know what about the pandemic? Do you know what the news is saying now? Do you know what's saying that? Who of God's people will say, be silent? Silence. That may be the case, but God, 
said this. There is a promise. There is a word that is more final. There is a reality that is more real than what we see in the natural. That's why Paul says we fix our eyes not on what we see. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. No, we fix our eyes on Jesus, right? And that's his voice in print. This is his word. So stop. Stop. Who will, who will, sometimes we just need to stop talking. Shut up. You know, the Bible says in the multitude of words, there is transgression. I think the King James says where, where words are many, sin is not absent. We can sin sometimes and displease the Lord just by talking. And sometimes just to be quiet. I don't know what to say, so I'm just going to say nothing. I'm just going to hold my tongue because life and death are in the power of the tongue. I'm just going to be shutty, zippy, quiet, sila. Stop worrying. Stop complaining. Stop questioning God and his word and his faithfulness. It, complaining is a sin. Did you know that? Okay. Just, is this okay? Can I go straight today? All right. Stop believing bad reports. I'm going to come to that. I'm going to unpack that a little bit. So you're like, well, what if it's true? We're going to get there. Speed up. Don't speed up. Don't race when God wants us to slow down. Don't move when God says, stop. For I, Remember what I just read in Amos? I'm going to make your head swim. What makes your head swim? Is it good news or is it bad news? What plays in the theater of your mind? Is it victory or is it disaster? Is it tragedy or is it triumph? If we just speed up, we just go through the motions. If we speed up and we don't slow down and we don't sila, when God says sila, we just become traditional. We go through things. You ever stop to ask, why do we do the things that we do? I made a ham yesterday morning very early for some people that were coming over for a meeting and I put the ham in the in the oven it was already cooked but it needed to be heated up and you heat it up for about two hours so about five in the morning I put it in the oven and I was reminded of this illustration you've probably heard it before it's a very uh, well-known story or illustration of the lady that was putting a ham in the oven and she cut the legs off the ham and her young daughter said to her mom mom why did you cut the leg legs off the ham to which she stopped and said actually I don't know let me call my mom. The reason I did it is because I saw my mom cut the legs off the ham. So she called her mom and she said, hey, mom, I've just put a ham in the oven. And my daughter, your granddaughter, just asked me, hey, mom, why do you do that? And I thought, I don't know. Mom, I only did it because you did it. Why? She said, you know what? I don't actually know. The only reason I did it is because my mother did it. She said, let me call her. And the grandmother was still alive. The great-great-grandmother to the little girl. And they got her on the phone and they said, can we ask you a question? And told the story. And she said, why, why did you cut the ham, the, the legs off the ham? Oh, she said, because back in my day, ovens were very small and I couldn't fit the ham into my small oven. You know, sometimes we don't actually know why we do what we do. We just keep doing it because somebody else did it. But the reason they did it had a good reason. But we keep doing it and it's called tradition. But sometimes if we actually look at why do we do what we do? And the only way we're going to realize that is if we stop. Instead of just speeding through life, speeding through what we're doing. And this year, however long it takes, I believe God wants to speak to us afresh as a church. He wants to speak. And that takes stopping, slowing down, and actually taking time to listen. Here's E. E is for examine. Examine. Will you say that with me? Examine. Not escape. Let's just unpack this again. I could stop on any one of these points for a long, long time, but examine, examine. The Bible talks about examining the table of the Lord. Each one of us should examine himself before we take communion so that we don't take it in an unworthy manner. Remember, that's not talking about a person. It's talking about an attitude of which we approach the finished work of the cross. But God spoke to Adam right in Genesis, and I've talked about this before. He asked Adam the question, where are you? That was a question. It was a diagnostic question. It was a question that Adam needed to ask himself, where am I? 
And church, in Selah, in this season, I want to suggest that we need to ask ourselves, where am I? Just between us and the Lord, in that quiet place, to actually ask, where, where, where actually am I? Misdiagnosis is malpractice. I was with somebody yesterday and they were thinking about, they had a certain pain in their body and someone said, let's take you to the hospital, to which they said, I'm not sure if I want to go to the hospital. And when asked the question, why wouldn't you want to go to the hospital? And they said, because I'm not sure if I want to know what's wrong with me. Some of us can relate to that. That's scary, but you know, facts are actually our friend. And having a diagnosis, taking time to examine, taking time to stop, to see la, to actually look at the facts is really important. When you know the facts and facts are our friend, then we know what course of action to take. It turned out to be something painful, but actually not at all life-threatening. See la. I was with Pat Broom yesterday, and she started to talk about sand. The wise man builds his house upon the rock. The foolish man builds his house upon the sand. And as she was talking, my mind went again to this whole thing of storms. See, Jesus, when he tells this story, he says, the wise man builds his house on the rock. The foolish man builds his house upon the sand. Then the storm came. So watch this. The storm comes either way. This is really important. When you're thinking about examining, it's really important to know that the storm comes either way. However you build your life, whether it's on truth or whether it's on a rockety, sandy foundation, the storm is coming. Turn to the person next to you and say, there's a storm coming. Oh, there's a storm coming. Listen, if Jesus said the storm's coming, then there's a storm coming. Well, I... What's really important to me, does anyone actually stop to actually ask the question, what does that scripture mean? Because Jesus actually exegeses it for us and actually explains what it actually means. And I'm not going to make anyone look silly here today, but this is what it means. Jesus says, the one who builds his house on the sand, listen carefully, because this is about selah. This is about stopping to take inventory, stopping to really examine, really truthfully, where am I? And this is you. I'm not talking about a church. I'm not talking about your friend. I'm not talking about somebody else. I'm not talking about somebody else. Yeah, they need to hear this. I'm talking about you, and I'm talking about me in Selah, which means to stop and to pause and to examine. Am, have I built my life upon the rock, or have I built my life upon the sand? Because however I built, there's a storm coming. And here's the unlocking of the parable. Jesus says, the one who builds his house on the sand is likened to the man that hears the word, but he doesn't do it. Selah. So if we hear the word, we come on a Sunday, we read it on our own, we hear it on, a, on, a, on, a, on the radio, we read it when we're having our, t- our time of our, our, doing our own Bible study, we hear the word, but we don't do it, the storm comes either way. And the Bible says that everything you built will collapse. Selah. So church, take time to examine Where am I? But in examining it, don't escape. Don't just put your head in the sand like an ostrich and say, you know what, I'm not actually going to stop. And actually, Selah, and examine, and ask myself like God asked Adam to do, where are you? Really, just between you and me, Adam. Where am I really, really truthfully at? Is there hurts and pains that I need to deal with? Are there attitudes that I've got to deal with it? Deal with? Have I slipped back into old ways? Is there habits that I've got into which no one else knows about, but God does? Am I drinking more than I should? Have I gone back to habits of taking certain drugs or medications or or painkillers? And it's just, listen, this is between you and God. This isn't. This isn't confession time. But I'm ch- I want to challenge us. I want to challenge us strong. Where are you? Sila. 
Stop. Examine. Don't escape this time. Because you know what I found with God? If we don't respond, we just do laps. And God, we just keep coming back. It's like, we just want to move on to the next level. And God says, I can't take you to the next level because I will only let you be faithful with more if you've already been faithful with little. What are you going to do with, what I'm, with where you are right now? And you know, the great thing about the Bible, the great thing about the gospel, which means good news, the finished work at the cross, is when we repent, which means to recognize, feel a sense of, I know this was wrong, and redirection. It's to recognize this is wrong, to, and then to put it right. Ask the person, and if it's God, ask him, will you please forgive me? In a moment, we're going to have a time to do that. We just said, just you. And him, we're going to ask the worship team to come back up. And we're going to stand together and say, at the beginning of this year, let's see, low, let's examine, let's be really honest with ourselves. Because you know what I've also found? Is if when God speaks to us, he's so kind, he always comes to us on our own. Matthew 18 says, if your brother wrongs you, go to him, just the two of you, and show him his fault. Jesus said that, and Jesus would be a hypocrite if he didn't do that himself. And he always comes to us one-on-one, privately, and whispers to us about the things in our life that we need to change. And if he does, if we don't, he always faithfully is kind to bring somebody else in. Selah. But he does it not to embarrass us. He does it because he loves us. And as I said before, one of the things we are going to do this year is really focus on discipleship. Focus on really loving God enough to see each other grow in God. Paul says, I make it my goal to present. um, Paul, the apostle Paul says, to see every man complete in Christ. He's coming back for a bride who's made herself ready. We don't just get ready, we need just by it just happening, we actually need to get ourselves ready. Peter says, God isn't being in slow and keeping his promises to come back. No, he's actually being patient for us so that we have time to change. These aren't scary words, these are actually really encouraging words because the gospel is good news. And so when we come to him, he says, Well done, I totally forgive you. And now I'm going to give you the power to change. So, what is it? Stop hiding. Maybe you're eating too much. Maybe you're sleeping too much. Maybe you're harboring pain or bitterness or anger or unforgiveness too much or at all. And saying, I want to let it go. You know what you can today? You can this morning. That's good. All right. There's so much I could say. Hmm. Hmm. Maybe your escape is apathy. You know, the the word apathy means the absence or suppression of passion, emotion, or excitement. Lack of interest or concern for the things that other people find moving and exciting. Apathy. Sometimes we can just get our escape instead of actually engaging into a place where we can really examine where we are, we just become apathetic. We become more like a dial tone. In Daniel chapter 7, it says, before the ancient of days comes, the enemy will come to weary the saints. Watch this. Before Jesus comes, the Bible says, Satan will come to weary. Everyone say weary the saints. The word weary means literally to make old before it's time. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you here have put on a good smile and you're a happy person. But when you're on your own, deep down, you know there's a weariness. And I'm, I'm speaking out of experience. I know what it's like to be weary. Weary is not the same as tiredness. Tiredness is, is of the body. Jesus was, was tired uh, when he went to the well. I'm not talking about tiredness. I'm talking about weariness, which is demonic. The enemy comes to weary the saints. Weariness doesn't go away from a good night's sleep. 
Weariness is of the soul, and it's a wearing down, and it's a ploy of the enemy to weary the saints. But if we examine that, and we don't escape from that, and we hit it head on and say, I know what's going on. This is why Paul says, do not be ignorant of Satan's devices. We can actually use the word of God to, to attack and find our way out and win. You know we win, right? Am I just being too real? It's okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Maybe in social media, you know, we talk a lot about living on the wrong side of the cross, but what about living on the wrong side of the screen? What about living somebody else's life that you spend hours and hours and hours and hours? The average person spends an hour and a half every day. That's just the average person, an hour and a half on social media staring at a screen. And some of you are like, that's the average. Mine's way more than that. But listen, it will actually change the way that you think. Paul says, don't conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There's a reason why suicide rate has doubled in the last 10 years. And, I, and I'm just going to be directly connected to social media. And this is my words, is it's living on the wrong side of the screen. It's living, looking into the lens of somebody else's or other people's world and trying to figure out how that relates to mine rather than looking at the word of God which is like a mirror and then actually living what God says that you are and who says where you come from and who tells you about your destiny and says I'm going to live by that and it will actually change the way that you think and then the Bible says then you'll be able to test and prove what God's will is his perfect pleasing acceptable will so it's not just that you get information it's that then you actually start to live out and walk out the will of God this is who God's made me to be and that's what everybody on this planet is trying to figure out. Who am I? Why am I? Where am I? And what is this life all about? And I want to suggest to you that the church across the earth should be the answer. And so when we come under weariness, when we come under attack, when we come under all these things, the word of God is what, caught, was, was what helps us dig out quickly. It instructs us. It makes us wise. All right. L. Ready? And to speed up. L is for look up. It's actually lock down. Look up, don't lock down. Look up, don't lock down. Look up. This psalmist says this in Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes from the hills from where my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord. The Bible says that he is the lifter of our heads. He, the Bible says he's the lifter of our heads. You ever done this with your kids or did your parents do this for you or someone do this for you? And maybe they ever, no one did it, ever did it for you. And if they didn't, you can know this this morning, that God does this for you. He lifts up our head. We did this with our kids. When we would discipline them, when we would when we instruct them, by the, their heads would go down. Because when our heads go down, it's a place of shame. That's why God says to Cain, why is your face downcast? If you do know what is right, will you not be accepted? God is the lifter of our heads. With our boys, whenever we would, would um, have to correct them, we would always lift up their chin and say, look at me. I love you. I forgive you. You're awesome. You're amazing. Even our dog would put his head down, still does. You just speak in a tone and his head goes down and he's like 13 years old and he smells and he's... But he's just, he's just, oh, he's just, he, he's just, I don't know what's going on. And, but, just, but you get his little head in, you, in the morning, and I lift up, I said, Cyrus, you're a good boy. He's like, really? That's what God does to us. He's the lifter of our heads. That's why the psalm says in Psalm 24, lift up your heads, O ye gates. Be lifted up, you everlasting doors. Selah. Lift up your heads, oh you gates. Listen, let me explain this. Lift up your heads. Head in the Bible is authority. Jesus says, foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to rest his head. He was not talking about sleeping. He'd just come from Peter or John's house. He could have had a nap there if he wanted to. No, what, was saying, what he was saying is, the Son of Man has nowhere to rest his authority. 
Jesus is always looking for somewhere he can rest his authority. And he was chosen to rest it on the church. Can we handle it? This is what this message is all about. It's to provoke us to a place where we can handle it and say, Yes, Lord, I can handle this authority. So headship is authority. God is the head of Christ. Christ is the head of man. It's all to do with authority. Headship is to do with authority. But gates are to do with people. So when the Bible talks about gates, lift up your head or your gates, what the Bible is actually saying, lift up your authority, people. Gates are people with authority. Lift up your heads, all you gates. Come on, church, with authority. Lift up your heads. I just want to review a very old lesson. Gates is the acronym for gates. I talked about this a few years ago. Gates stand for God. The G is for God. That's what gates do. They guard. Gates A is for authority. Gates have authority. T is for transition. It's where transition happens. It's where you go from the front yard to the backyard through, through a gate. It's how we move along. Psalm 100, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. That's how I get into that transitional place, which I would encourage you, by the way, when you come on a Sunday morning, don't just come to be whipped up and come on, you can do better than that. Let's have a good, come on, you, you can do it, you can do better, but actually enter with something. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving. In other words, come in momentum. Don't come here to, for impetus. Don't come here just to someone to get you going like a swing so that you can hopefully last, the swing can swing for the next seven days before you go to church again. No, we come with something. I was glad, very glad when they said to me, come, let us go to the house of the Lord today. Why? Because I get to be with my brothers and sisters. Why? Because I get to worship together. Why? Because I get to hear the word of God together. Why? Because I'm going to be provoked by the word of God. Why? Because I'm going to encourage somebody else. I'm not just coming to get my needs met. I'm actually coming to meet the needs of someone else. Why? Because he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Don't just come along to get along. Stop going to church. Be the church. The church just gets to gather for an hour and a half or two hours once a week. But when we come, let's really, let's really just encounter God together, which we do. But let's see law for a moment and examine that too. So gates for transition. E is for empowerment. You know, as the elders sat at the gates, that's where the decisions were made. They watched over the city, what came in, what came out. They were the ones that made the decisions to empower things to happen or not. Gates, empower an S is for stand. Gates, stand up. That's why Ephesians 6, and when you've done everything, stand. Take your stand against the enemy. So look up. Habakkuk says, I will position myself on the ramparts so that I can look and see what he will say to me. Church, this year, the reason I'm talking about look up and the reason L is for Selah is it's the stance of a prophetic person to stand and stop and stand at the ramparts. A rampart, by the way, was a place on the highest part of a city wall where the slots were for the arrows and the archmen, the, the, uh, the archers, and there was a place where they could walk back and forth. That was the rampart. The rampart was the place where those who were watching over the city could walk and pace back and forth. So Habakkuk 2 says, I will station myself on the ramparts and I will look and see what he has to say to me. And then I will write it down so that a herald may run with it. Church, there when I'm talking about looking up, it's to lift up my eyes to the hills, to lift up my head, oh you gates, to look from the place of the rampart in the midst of war, in the midst of pain, in the midst of loss, in the midst of all the things that you're facing right now that we still look up and say no I'm still gonna lift up my head because he is the lifter of my head and I'm gonna let this get this shame off me we're gonna pray for shame in just a moment shame off you you've had people say shame on you shame off you but there isn't here's the key if you if you if you know you've done something wrong put it right if you know you've been wrong forgive I'm gonna say it again if you know you've done something wrong put it right if you know you've been wrong forgive Repentance and forgiveness. Repentance and forgiveness. It's the gospel. It's, the, it's God's way. Whew. Okay, don't lock down. I'll just, I'm nearly done, but if we don't act on what we do know, we become paralyzed by what we don't know. Locking down. Shutting down. 
It's not God's way. All creation, the Bible says, is waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. Actually, it says all creation is waiting with eager expectation. Does eager as a church across the world in a stance and a position of eager expectation. Does that look like a church that's locked down and shut down? Or does it look like a church that's lifted up her head? I said, no, here I am, God, choose me. Lord, I'm ready. This is it. This is life. This is the life you've, you've given me. This is the country you've put me in. This is the spouse you've given me. These are my kids. This is my family. This is my job. This is my health. This is, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fight for it, and I'm going to move forward. Amen. All right. Number, number four is acknowledge. Everyone say acknowledge. Acknowledge, acknowledge, acknowledge. I love this. You know, again, I'm going to go fast. Proverbs chapter three. I'm only going fast today because I want to get it all out. Right? I'm nearly done, and I'm going to pray. But acknowledge. So Proverbs chapter 3 verse 6, many of you learned this when you were little kids. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Boom. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Those who are studying the word of God this, this year or this, or this month, and I would encourage you to every now and again just see la rather than just racing through chapters and meditate and stop. And sometimes one word will stop I just you just chew over it, chew over it, and think about it. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Wow. Lean not on your own understanding. Don't lean on your own understanding. Well, this is my understanding, but the Bible says don't lean on that. And then watch this, watch this. This is where I'm going right now. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will make your path straight. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Acknowledge. In all your ways, acknowledge. Well, how many ways? All your ways. What does that mean? This is what it is to meditate, meditate on the word of God. Stop, Selah, on a word. What, how, what does it mean to acknowledge the Lord? How about this? To start acknowledging him before you eat a meal. What about acknowledging him when you wake up? What about acknowledging him when you lie down? What about acknowledging him for your health? What about acknowledging him for your family and for your children? What about just acknowledging him? I just want to acknowledge the Lord. I was with somebody in another country recently, and they began to talk about a situation which was tough and involved other people. And they said, just so I want to stop for a moment, and I just ask the Holy Spirit to cover this conversation. And I was literally, there was like an anointing that came on the conversation. He said, I just feel covered. This is sensitive and it involves people. And I want to be really careful how we talk, that we don't dishonor anybody else in this conversation, that people don't get trashed. So thank you, Holy Spirit, for covering this conversation. What was he doing? He's saying, in all your ways, acknowledge him. Lord, we acknowledge your presence in this room. We acknowledge your presence in our family. We acknowledge your goodness in my life. Thank you for my health. I just want to acknowledge that, Lord. Thank you for where, how you've brought us this far. Thank you for my job. Thank you that I thank you, thank you, Lord, that I can pay my bills. And Lord, the last bill I actually can't pay for, but I thank you that your word says that you will meet all of my needs. And therefore, I just acknowledge the fact that your word is true and you're not a liar. And I trust you. And I'm not going to lean on my own understanding. I acknowledge you. Acknowledge, knowledge, acknowledge, knowledge, knowledge. Wisdom is applied knowledge. How do you get wisdom? Ask. Ask for wisdom. And when you apply it, it's applied knowledge. Wisdom, and the wisdom comes from heaven, is pure, and it brings peace. Okay, well, how about this one? Second Peter, chapter 1. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Watch this. Through the knowledge. Everyone say here. Knowledge. Knowledge. Through the knowledge of him. Let's slow this down. His divine power. So God's divine power has given us everything that we need for life and godliness. But watch this. Watch this. Through the knowledge of him. So the knowledge of God is the access to his divine power. You follow? 
Well, I thought that the word is divine. I don't know what it is. But, 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 but wherever there's a promise, there's an if. It's through, the, it's through the access of him. So we need to know what God is like. How do we know what God is like? Through his word. You know, this, this thing, this DNA thing, this heritage thing, ancestry.com thing for 20 bucks online. You can get it. And then you open it and it's alive. It's a miracle. Okay. So there's that as well. In all your ways, acknowledge him. In all your ways, in your marriage, in your parenting. When you drink a glass of water, I just want to acknowledge your goodness. Try it, church. It'll change the way you think. It will seal you to a place of causing you to stop and slow down in your tracks when you fill that faucet and it just pours water that you can actually drink without dying. And go, Selah. Thank you, Lord, for this glass of water. You know, it'll put things in perspective. It will. Oh, the internet doesn't work. I was on a plane once, and the guy next to me was shouting because the, because the uh, internet didn't work. It's like, bro, you're in a flying chair. Context. Is it really that bad? Uh, not accusation. I'm not going to stay here because we've got we to close. But Revelation 12 verse 10 says, Satan is the accuser of the brethren day and night. He stands before God accusing us. <laughs> this is why the cross is so powerful. He's the accuser of the brethren. Don't, can I just say this? Don't partner with the spirit of accusation. You see it everywhere. You see it in the media. People attacking one another, fighting one another. Don't do it. Don't do it. He's the Lord of the flies. He's Beelzebub. He wants us to, to lull us into filth of accusation. And Don't do it. It's horrible. All right, and finally, you ready? Musicians, if you can come, because I keep saying we're going to close, and we are. <sighs> Thanks, guys. H. Finally, Sila is for hungry. Do you remember that song, Hungry? I come to you. Your love will not run dry, and I'll wait for you. I'm not going to sing it because he says I shouldn't. But we're going to sing that song. We haven't sung this for ages, but I'm going to have a stand in a moment. This is what I want us all to do. I want you to, we've got space in here today, so... But I just want you to find somewhere where you can just put your hands out. I want you to close your eyes. I don't want you to worry about anyone else. I'm not going to call anyone forward, right? So don't wait for a magical moment. Should I go forward or should I not? I'm going to call you forward. I just want this. I believe there's a divine moment in God this morning for us to examine ourselves before him and for him to meet with us. James says, if we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. But hungry, hungry, everyone say hungry. Matthew chapter 5 in Beatitudes, Jesus says, Blessed are the hungry, for they will be filled. I was with a, a couple in the church, and Greg and Britta, they were newer to the church. and Some people in our home had been sick, and Fee and I said, should we cancel? Like, no, we really want to go. So we went. Um, are you guys here this morning? And we sat in a restaurant, and they just began to talk. I said, we well, want to just hear your story. We want to get to know you. Like, they just started to talk about the Holy Spirit. And they started to talk about revival. And they started to talk about miracles. And they started to talk about why they were drawn to this house. And there's something happening. And there's something, God is stirring something. And I sat there and I just tried to well up. I'm like, that's it. If they were here this morning, I'd have them come up and, and just say this, what they just said. But they said, how are we going to have a revival? By revival, in our minds, I don't mean just thousands of people coming and just having just an encounter with the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about a revival which will change cities and change
change nations. That, that's what I'm talking about, revival. That's what they were talking about. And they said, but, but what's the key? <laughs> I said this. A hungry people who are not satisfied with where things are at. It's a divine dissatisfaction for the way things are at. And you know what, church? I want to say, I have that divine dissatisfaction. But that divine dissatisfaction, we can turn into a hunger and an appetite for more of God. And God says this, if you're hungry, I'll fill you up. If you want it. And that's how I want to end today, in a moment to have a stand. And as the musicians sing this song, which some of you will remember, that we stand here and just say, Lord, I want this out. Because, you know, I don't know if you remember this, but when your mom or your dad or your parents or someone says, don't eat before the meal because it will ruin your appetite. That was never the case with me, but I understand it's a fact for everybody else. That you, to people, it will ruin it. It will ruin your dinner. If you eat first, it will ruin you in your dinner. Cannot relate, never been able to relate. But apparently, that if you eat before the meal, it ruins your appetite, right? It's true. But let me ask you this. What do you snack on that fills you up? I wrote this this morning. What are you snacking on spiritually that causes you to lose your appetite for more of Him? What are you snacking on spiritually? What are you snacking on emotionally? What are you snacking on mentally? What are you snacking on physically? What is filling you up so that when God shows up and says, I want to fill you up, we say, ah, I'm kind of a bit ruined. I'm actually already full. You ever been, you know, made a meal for someone, but they forget and they come over and like, I actually already ate. And you're like, oh, I, I prepared this. I made this. Sometimes I can feel feeds like, oh, honey, I, 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 wish, I probably should have called you and let you know I've made meal, a favorite meal, and I just eat because I didn't know. But church, today, I, I imagine for how God feels. I, I've got so much for you, but you're already full. I have so much more I want to show you. I have so much more I want to give to you. I want to change the way you think, but your mind is so full of other images. Graven images. Imaginations. A nation of images. Imaginations. And I want to pull down those every imagination that has set itself up against the knowledge, there's the word again, of me. And I want to just bring them down. And church, this is, this is the way we do it. We just say, Jesus, will you forgive me? That's what I want us to do today. Jesus, forgive me. Lord, will you forgive me for what I've been snacking on? Physically, mentally, emotionally. And I, I, I want it to die. I want it to go. I just, I let it all go. Please, will you forgive me? And you know what? 1 John 1, 9 says this. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and he is, he is just to forgive us for all unrighteousness. Isn't that wonderful? He's faithful. So can you stand with me? Just stand if you're able. Just stand. And when you're out, just close your eyes.